adding some TLC to the books that were written by Black and POC authors, creating a space that is for us, by us. This is the audiobook club that you don't want to miss. So grab your tea, cop a seat, and join the conversation on The Concrete Diaries with me, Carlisa Simone. I have with me Nadia Diala, and she is a coach, a, um, specifically a coach in tech, but what kind of coach are you? So I am a leadership and negotiation coach, and I'm certified and typically work with women of color in tech. Why did you feel that there was a need for um, a no negotiation and leadership coach um specifically for women of color in tech yeah yeah well I, I at first I started off as a leadership coach and for women of color I didn't pivot towards tech until last year and my background is in tech so I used to do tech sales for enterprise and startup companies in the bay area um but really leadership in general because there's barely any folks who look like us at the top right and I truly believe that some of the things that are text failings are because there's not enough diversity and inclusion right and as I started coaching folks and women of color and what happens is when you level up your leadership and through the magic of coaching, not sure how familiar you are with coaching, but you just start to do things and see things that are like, oh, wow, I am leveling up my leadership. I'm standing in my worth. I'm standing in my power. And this job isn't good enough for me anymore. Or like... I want to be in a completely different company or even a completely different industry or fuck this. I'm going to go after that promotion. I'm not going to stand in the shadows anymore. I actually deserve that. Right. So we start to do things that really uplevel our careers. And suddenly I saw a lot of my clients thinking, oh, wow, if I'm going to go after that job, if I'm going to go after that promotion, if I'm going to ask for a raise because I'm leveling up that requires negotiation. So negotiations just kind of naturally happened where it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, I could help with that. I used to be in sales. Let's go. Mm -hmm. um, I've tried negotiating my own raises before, which I have done. I've also failed at negotiating raises and promotions a bunch. So just naturally helping folks do that. And the more and more I helped women of color increase their pay, I just slapped that onto my title and said, I'm going to call myself a negotiation coach too. Cause it just kept happening. <laughs> I mean, especially like when you're trying to go after that promotion or that job, you know, you do have to demand what you're worth. And sometimes we're afraid to do that. Why is that? Oh, girl, <laughs> you're hitting all the buttons there. I mean, sometimes why we're afraid. I mean, I'll at least speak for myself. And this goes for a lot of the majority of um, clients I've helped is I used to have what I call like the good girl syndrome or the good girl archetype mentality. Um, I'm the daughter of Filipina immigrants, you know, and my mother was amazing in business. But at the same time, how my culture is, is you don't, you don't speak back to authority. You're going to get it if you do. Right. And so there's this whole, I don't want to upset authority 
if I speak out and say what you're what you offered me isn't good enough. I would actually like 20% more and I believe I'm worth 20% more, right? Like that's that's what's happening. And I'm sorry if you hear this blaring it's <laughs> um, okay. our alarm. This is, this is reality of it, right? <laughs> so um but I think that what else happens is um, for me, I was just like, well, this good girl mentality is making me think like, I'll feel guilty. Like, even if they say yes and hire me, they might retaliate later. And, or maybe they'll put me under, you know, a microscope or a magnifying glass and just analyze every single thing I do wrong or this, that, and say, this chick wasn't worth it. Why did we give her that? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times women of color are the first of their generations or their kind in their family to ever go into tech, tech roles or office roles or corporate roles. And they're just like, I'm just so grateful, the quote unquote, so grateful to have my foot in the door. I'll take mm-hmm. anything. Um, right. Yeah. And some of my clients, literally their parents net were all service workers, which is cool. You know, and so they were like, oh, my God, that's so much money. Just take it. Don't even try to negotiate. So they were like, OK, they just didn't know any better. Mm. Yeah, because I realized that we're always fighting to get to the table and then we don't question, well, we're here at the table now. Like, what do we do after? So what are some steps that you promote to your clients to say, "Okay, you're here now. This is what you should do. This is how you should negotiate. This is how you're supposed to find your worth type of thing. Yeah, I mean, there there's so many ways to do it. So it is a little different if you are going for a new job or if you are working within a company and trying to up level from there. So um, it is a lot harder to get bigger percentages, bigger pay increases, for instance, if you are within your current company. And this, this is even outside of tech, yeah, but you can get more money if you go to another role and another company. Um, but one of the things to really think about is, again, mindset. So really check in your mindsets. I call them inner bullshitters in the framework that I teach my coaching clients. Like check your inner bullshitters. Do you have this good girl in you that's like, I don't want to rock the boat. I'm too scared. Mm-hmm this, that, I don't want them to hate me. Do you have this angry voice in you who I call kind of for lack of better terms, still looking for a better name, y'all, toxic femme, like the toxic Mm -hmm. feminine in us. That's just like, F this, F that, like I deserve more money, da, da, da. Cause that doesn't, although that voice may be true, putting out that energy puts whoever's on the other side of the table on defense. And we're not Mm -hmm. trying to do that right? Because that doesn't help us get our money. So um, you know what I mean? Like if if I'm coming at you like that, girl, you're not going to give me anything. (laughs) So we have to really check those shit talkers, those bullshitters in us. Um, And then we also just have to simply take data. Like Mm -hmm. there are websites out there for anybody listening. There are websites out there like Glassdoor, Payscale, even LinkedIn, like to look up... um, the typical salary there's some really cool paid programs like 81 cents I know the founder of that she's really about um helping women and under marginalized people get actual reports and datas and data to be able to know what you should be negotiating based on your specific background 
There's a lot of stuff out there trying to help with equity. So just bring forth the data and don't be afraid to say like, hey, you're paying me or your, your offer is 30% below market rate. I'm seeing online in public access, right? Mm-hmm. So what's up with that? And then when you really bring out curiosity and just say like, how can I get closer to that? Bring the data of your worth of I have this education, I have this work background, this is what I've done for my current or previous companies, this is what I've done for you if you're working within that current company. And this is the um, the last tip is really focus on your promise, right? Like, and if you give me the extra, I know I'm worth it because I'm also gonna do this that I haven't done for you yet, right? So the value that you will continue to bring is really, really important to focus on as well. Um, final thing on that is just to always invite collaboration. It doesn't have to be a win-lose battle. I think that's the misconception we all have of negotiations. Don't think it's a life or death situation. Come into it thinking, how can we make this a win-win for the both of us? You win by getting my amazing work and my energy, and I win by getting what that energy deserves to be paid. So let's keep working at it together is really what I, I encourage folks to go into negotiations with. Okay. So you touched on two things there. So the first one that I really wanted to get into was um, like going back to being invited in the room, because I've had a concern for some time now. Sometimes are we really invited or promoted in the company because of our work and you know that you're great at what you do or are we being promoted and invited into the company to say well our company is diverse and we have this person and this person like are we getting what we deserve based on our work or our background yeah, now I'm really curious about you. What have you experienced that have made you question that? Just like like school and stuff like that. Like sometimes I wonder, did I get into the school that I go to because of my race, of my background, or because they saw my potential? You know, it yeah. got me questioning that. Mm, you know, I think that it's it's really hard to determine that because I don't think one anybody's ever going to admit that to you, <laughs> even if the answer was yes the way you don't want it to be yes right. But um, a lot of my clients do feel tokenized. That's mm-hmm. essentially what we're alluding to, and there's things like affirmative action, this that. Blah, blah, blah. But I I I think. At the end of the day, there's just so much imposter syndrome to go around, whether or not you got color and melanin on your skin, especially industries like tech, tech, because everybody's doing things that like, I don't know what you're doing. When I worked in tech, I was like, what the hell am I doing? I'm selling e-signature integration systems, right? It was just like the things that were coming out out of my mouth were enough to make me second guess myself all the time of do I really know what I'm doing here and I find that happens a lot and so your imposter syndrome may be flaring up because we're questioning and you you know folks might experience racism in their workplaces all the time of like someone said well you're only here because of x or you're only here because of affirmative action (laughs) um and it's just don't 
listen to that voice, I would say, right? What matters is you're there and what matters is what you're going to do when you are at the table, mm-hmm. right? Like, are you speaking up? Are you turning around and extending a hand to others who look like you? Are you lifting as you go? Really, really matters. Um, and honestly, for me, I'm just like, if you are working your ass off, which most women of color do work thrice as hard for half the recognition, you deserve to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and and I think the point is, is that like, what are you going to do with your time when you're there? Take the opportunity and run with it. Mm. So for people who don't know, what is imposter syndrome? Oh, that's really great. I, I guess it's just like, it's so prominent in my head and in my world that I wouldn't think that people, you know? <laughs> So imposter syndrome, let's see, to really break it down is just when you constantly feel like an imposter in the work or I guess school education environment that you're in, in your environment, when you feel like you constantly are not good enough, that you are faking the world, like it's one of those fake it till you make it, but gone wrong, right? Where you're just like people, you're constantly on edge and worried that people, your stakeholders, your superiors, your teachers, the people next to you at the same level even are going to find out one day that you do not belong there. And what will happen when people find out that you don't belong there? So um, I hope that accurately kind of describes it. Like, I'm interested to know, what do you think it, it lands with that? So, like, imposter syndrome to me is kind of what you said, like, especially fake it till you make it. It's like I'm in a room and I'm wondering, how did I even get here? Um, Was my work really authentic? Did I deserve to be here type of thing? It's it's kind of like um, it ties back into self-worth and um, self-doubt. Like, you're not really you're not really like confident in your efforts and you're wondering like did I deserve to be here or did I fake it through you know did I lie to get into this position right right and I'll say it a lot of people lie in their interviews to get jobs so it makes sense and and you you kind of hit it really really well like the nail on the head of folks being so on edge and just um, trying to prove themselves, prove themselves, but it's never enough, right? Like even if you get X promotion, sometimes you're like, oh my God, the pressure's even more. Yeah. (laughs) Are my efforts even real? You know, we're constantly questioning that when we have imposter syndrome. And as, um, as women of color, the higher the money amount, honestly, that they get, you know, tech is wild, yo, like, Folks be making six figures and above and stuff or never having it. It's kind of, that's why it's such like a gold rush feeling when the tech boom happened. Um, But folks, the higher the money women of color get, the higher the imposter syndrome can be sometimes where it's just like, Mm. and the wild thing is that we are still probably getting paid significantly less than our white male counterparts who don't even (laughs) have that problem, right? And they're like, asking for and we're working harder we're producing more results oftentimes and we're still having that mad imposter syndrome voice in our heads Mm. so it's like okay 
That's the thing, though. Somebody said we were talking about this in an earlier episode of how male are confident, like males, they go after positions that they may not even fulfill all the criteria, but they will still go after it just because they feel confident in themselves. Women, we tend to like back away from positions, even if we fulfill all the requirements. But if there's like one requirement we can't fill, we tend to second guess, okay, maybe I shouldn't apply to that position. So it's like, I feel as women, we don't assert ourselves enough. Like, I feel like we really do need to work on that, especially women of color. (laughs) You're so right. You're so right. It's so common. Um, Even one of my clients just last week who basically has director level experience and she's in her 40s, okay? And just incredible and looking for a new role. And there were two requirements that she didn't hit in this long, freaking long list of job description lines. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, I couldn't do that. I don't have that experience. And I was like, Really? That's so interesting. <laughs> what makes you say that? And really, then that's where we, again, uncover those bullshitter voices of, I'm just not good enough. Like, who am I to think I could go after that? And it goes really deep, right? Like, it could go as deep as seeing our mothers not go for something they wanted. Or it could go as deep as just, you know, ancestor work. Of, you know, it, it, it can go as deep as one um, manager telling them they weren't qualified to do a project because they didn't meet one criteria and that stuck with them for 20 years in their careers. Like, mm-hmm. who knows? So it's just, um, the point about you bringing that up is that apply anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Just apply anyway, because job descriptions are really best case scenarios, not necessarily requiring sort of in my head. At least mm-hmm. that's how I say to treat them. So... Did she end up applying to the job? Yes, absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> absolutely. I'm applying to many jobs that she was just like, you know what? By the end of our session, it was just like, I'm just going to go for all of these. Right. Um, yeah. um, another person brought it up in an earlier episode of what can contribute to imposter syndrome is a lack of representation. Like you don't see yourself. You don't see other people who look yeah. like you in the area that you're in. And so you feel like you don't belong there. Yeah. Do you agree with that? I do. <laughs> Um, So why I focus on women of color in tech, honestly, is because um, not just because of my background, but because I do know what it's like to be the only woman slash only woman of color or person of color in the room, in the team. Sometimes um, some of my clients are literally the only POC in the organization. Oh, my God. Where it's just like where some, you know, and I say organization loosely, where it's just like maybe 50 employees, but still mm-hmm. one out of 50, that's that's, still your, your, arts, your arts aren't good. Right. And so we get into our heads of, oh, do I have to act like my white um, female, white male or whatever counterparts in order to succeed? And do, you know, code switching, all of that stuff. Yeah. Like, I just got that question. <laughs> but like, you know, and it's just, it's okay to, you know, if you want, if you need a code switch to survive, whatever. But like my point with my clients, 
clients are, you are just surviving when you are hiding yourself, right? Like, Mm. what will it take for us to thrive in white male dominated spaces like tech? I truly believe it has to be about real you. That's why like the framework I teach in my business is called real you leadership of what would it take to courageously just be the realist you? And that doesn't mean you're co- you, you end code switching. No, but the essence of you that you kind of hide when you go through your careers. And I experienced that where, you know, I would hear something slightly remotely racist mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, a microaggression, which is almost not racism, but it's, it's it is. Yeah. And just, I would, I would let it slide. Right. Sometimes I wouldn't, but sometimes I would let it slide for my safety where it was just like, I like these people. We laugh all the time together, but they just said something that totally makes me feel excluded. Mm-hmm. And I would, you make the choice in those moments of do I stay uncomfortable or do I make this room of six others folks feel uncomfortable right now when we have a meeting that's only 30 minutes and we've got work to do and this work is important to me too. You know what I mean? Like you just make these little sacrifices here and there and those add up. <laughs> um, and the imposter syndrome flares up even more when you're not feeling fully able to express yourself or be yourself. Uh, so it is very difficult to find a real true balance to um, not feel othered in these situations. So you're dealing with all this stuff and they may never have that. Like when I was still working within tech in sales, um, it was when Black Lives Matters was starting and at its peak and there were marches outside my office window in San Francisco all the time. Mm -hmm. And even if I'm not black as a person of color, it still hurt me. And working within tech where you're just like, you're selling all these things that technically don't feel real sometimes to you, where it's like, it's a software, it's a cloud. (laughs) um, And you're just like, and then there's so much meaning outside of these office walls to you. And people don't understand that. Like someone will say something like another March. And it's just like, seriously, dude, bro, come on, bro. You know, and I'm just like, they would not have said that if there was a black person in the room, I'm sure. Right. Not thinking that even another brown person would feel something. Mm -hmm. You're just like, oh, what? Am I in the right place? So it's just constantly, these are the things that folks, people of color experience within tech all the time. So it's just like, going back to what you said about the experiences, like how do you pick and choose, okay, now I'm going to confront you on that. Like when you start letting things slide, like how do you pick and choose? Okay, maybe the relationship with you isn't worth the comment. You know what I'm saying? Or how do you just say, I'm just going to sacrifice my place in the organization to confront you on certain things that you just said or correct you on certain things that you just said? Well, one, I want to pick at the last thing you said, as you just said, like, I'm just going to sacrifice my position in the company. Unfortunately, it feels that way. It does Mm -hmm. feel that way, but it doesn't have to be that way. Right. Like, I think that's what stops us in being ourselves a lot of times where it's just like, even if there's no conflict, women of color are like, I can't show this part of me because I will be labeled like the angry brown person or the angry right. brown person or this, that. So like 
we we really but then we have to really understand of like well then how much of you are you really stifling though right like you can't just hide this one piece of you so much of the good parts of you are getting hidden too honestly and then you're really not thriving you're really not shining and but in conflict um i think it depends it depends on it's not our like it's just it really isn't our responsibility to call that out every single time there were times where i was just like whatever i'm not here to educate them honestly you know and just truly let it roll off and be like that's just what's going to happen right now and it's not my responsibility right because that's emotional labor that folks um don't realize we're taking on constantly it's invisible labor that they don't mm-hmm. understand we're taking on constantly and then there were days where i would just do the simple oh what does that mean right and then, <laughs> and then they would do uh, 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 and then i would leave it at that like for me that would be enough sometimes and then there are times where i would do a complete sit down with somebody and i still even in my business working with women of color i still do this with like if i'm being contracted by a white male ceo that said something that i was like whoa i'm not your employee i'm my own business owner and what you said was really crossing a line there mm-hmm. we need to talk about where that came from. Mm-hmm. So really being able to pull somebody aside and say can we have a one-on-one meeting? Um I just want to let you know what my biggest thing is I value our working together and sometimes you may not. <laughs> But you know, I value a peaceful working environment together. We obviously have a lot of things to work on together. But what you said was really hurtful or what you said would really made me angry and I understand so if you're familiar we talk a lot in um there's a lot of talk around recognizing positive intent versus the actual impact right so this person if you ever confront anybody especially in a workplace where you're like shoot am i going to lose my job really just the whole point of relaying ourselves is to be heard whether or not a solution is being made of course we want a solution to be made but for me at least it's just you do whatever you got to do to settle this i understand that you as someone who's not a self identified poc or woman of color may have come from a very positive good best well intention place but you have to understand the impact that it actually made on me mm-hmm. right so it's like i understand your truth as someone who was trying who probably didn't mean to hurt me or maybe they did but I'm willing to bet anytime you call somebody out they're going to be like oh that's not what I meant you yeah <laughs> yeah so and it's like cool cool I understand that's not what you meant but this is what it did mm-hmm. right so that's the best suggestion I have for anybody and like you get to it's on an individual level you get to pick and choose what's <laughs> worth it or not you know what I mean you get to pick and choose <laughs> so Not only you have negotiation you also have leadership. So what is the foundation foundational principles that you have under leadership to help women of color? Oh cool. I love that question. Well, I guess I could talk about the um the framework that I take whether they're one-on-one clients or group coaching clients through um it's called real you leadership. So the foundational pillars basically are like 
um, radical vision where we create your radical vision of like, what does it mean to be a leader as a woman of color? What does it mean to you with all your intersecting identities? So intersectionality is big for me. So um, to break that down, it's, I am not just a woman of color. What that means for me is I'm a Filipino woman. I'm a daughter of immigrants. I'm a wife of an immigrant. I'm also, you know, in my 30s, but I look like I'm 12. And honestly, like <laughs> I'm 4'11". And can you imagine a 4'11 little Filipina Pinay woman sticking up to someone who's six foot three, white, tall male and just saying, right. like, you know what I mean? Like that actually matters. Yeah. Like, yeah. Body type matters. So taking into all those intersectionalities of how does that impact your leadership? How does that impact the type of leader you want to be? Right. Mm -hmm. And then vision, radical vision also includes understanding our bullshitters that I've kind of alluded to throughout um, because yes, there are racist, sexist systems out there that are truly meant to hold us down. But what is it that's actually holding us down internally? Like what's keeping us playing small internally? And for me, it was things like the good girl, right? Where it's just like, I was really playing into that all the time to protect myself from hurt, to protect myself from pain because the good girl doesn't take risks. And sometimes in business, you need to take risks. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so the next framework with that is um, really activating voice. So in order to ask for what we want and self-advocate for what we want, we need to activate our voices. So that's where a lot of the bullshitter work and awareness around our internal self-sabotaging thoughts really come into play of like, yo, how is this deactivating your voice, right? Like how, is, let's be really real. And then we get into actual skill set, knowledge and practice of like negotiating, managing up, how to create influence, how to set boundaries, how to tell people no, how to get people to say yes to you, right? Um, and what I break that down as is basically you learn how to be your own hype woman. <laughs> so that's, that's where it is, where it's like you learn how to hype yourself up and get what you want in activating voice. And then the last one is value. So vision, voice, value. Value is really around none of the strategies matter if you don't believe in your value. None of the strategies, you know, I tell clients and in all my workshops, I say it all the time. If you're looking for the best strategies and skill sets of being the best leader, or the best negotiator, y'all can Google that shit. <laughs> like it's just, it's all out there. The strategies are out there, but if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't step into your values or align with your personal values, it doesn't, it's not going to work. It's never going to work. Right. It's never going to work because guess what? Even if you find yourself as a VP level or C-suite level, guess what? You're still going to feel that imposter syndrome. You're still going to do this unless you take care of it and truly believe I am valuable even if I'm not perfect, right? So that's that's what really matters. So those are the three kind of frameworks I, I typically would advise folks to look into. <laughs> so you touched on self-sabotage can we go into that because i'm kind of interested of yeah, where yeah, that girl. leads to <laughs> yeah. yeah what are you curious about like for people who don't know what is self-sabotage and also how do we self-sabotage ourselves in the industry yeah that's so i love how you phrase that question um 
Self-sabotaging is basically, it's, it's exactly what it sounds like. We sabotage ourselves. So what I'm saying is, yes, there are systems that are here and set in place and society out to get us and hold POCs down and women of color down. Um, but at the same time, those inner bullshitters are self-sabotaging voices or saboteurs or some other people call them inner critics, inner gremlins, whatever you have, that, that kind of like judgy voice in your head that tells you things like, who do you think you are? Or, oh, that couldn't possibly be me. Or, mm. of course, that, you know, like white male got it, the promotion, like people like me will never get that. And, you know, there's some truth to those voices, but when we self-sabotage, we give those voices permission to only be true and nothing else, right? Whereas the reality is, yeah, people like me never get that, but what did I do to try to get that? What did I do? Did I even apply? Some people like will say that to themselves without even applying. And it's like, did you even apply you? Or like, did you, um, self-sabotaging could be as simple as referring back to one of your statements before as, oh, I don't meet two of these lines in this job description. I'm just not going to apply. That's self-sabotage right there. That's, mm -hmm. I don't want other people to reject me, so I'm going to reject myself first. Oh, right? Wow. That's what it is. So what's hitting you right now? <laughs> that reject, no, because like, <laughs> I am a perfectionist in some sort of yes. way, and sometimes I can't, I will acknowledge I cannot take criticism. So, of course, I would criticize myself before anybody else can criticize me. Yeah. But it's like, it's hard to, it's like you're basically being vulnerable and you're putting yourself out there and oh, like opening yourself to possible fire, you know? And that can be a daunting place to be. So, of course, you don't want to injure yourself any further you yeah. know so it's it's kind of hard to put yourself out there and it's like you're putting your work out there you're putting everything that's valuable to you out there for people to say well maybe that's not a fit for our company you know like that's a hurtful place to be <laughs> that's that's exactly one of the biggest voices right one of the biggest internal bullshitters that will get you that perfectionist voice is in every single one of my clients <laughs> and it's just like you know and it takes forever it's a lot of unlearning right it's a lot of unraveling but you you described it perfectly of I'm not good at taking criticism most of my clients are and it's because somewhere along down the line, they put this perfectionist kind of um, shield up of, well, I'm not going to go there if I don't think that I can do it perfectly. And that's self-sabotage. It really is because mm. we're never going to be our version of perfect ever, not even for a second. That's the reality of it. And so we have to break those myths of, well, how can what I help my clients do then is okay, so the motivation of the self-sabotaging act is to avoid that pain. But what you're really doing is just postponing that pain. Because <laughs> it's going to come, seriously, I'm working with folks in like mid-30s to mid-40s, sometimes in their 50s, and mm -hmm. it catches up 
one way or another. <laughs> and it's just like, how do we unlearn that? Because um, women of color, we're fucking resilient. You know, like we're so resilient. So how can we turn that resiliency to handle that type of pain instead of just survival? Right? Like how can we channel that strength that we know we have in our DNA, it's in our bones, it's in from our ancestors. Like, how can we learn to be resilient towards rejection? Because I'll say it, like, I, 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 I'm okay with being rejected now, right? Like, I get rejected all the time with clients who can't afford my rate or companies who tell me that I'm pitching too high for a workshop, right? Or this, that, and it's just like, I'm okay with that because I know my value. So I know this isn't a fit. And I know there's lots of privilege to be able to say that, mm -hmm. right? And But it's just like, I and I also work damn hard to be able to get my mindset right, to be able to handle that. And to be able to get up and say like, okay, cool. So that wasn't the best fit, right? So that wasn't where I'm supposed to be. I'm gonna keep going. Um, And what I tell a lot of clients is like, when I get, when you get that rejection, that's where negotiations actually starts. That's where your leadership opportunities actually open up even more than when things are just perfect and everything is great. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So going back a little bit of what you said about you know reject there can there be positivity in rejection because sometimes rejection allows you to better yourself or find the flaws in your work or you know to build upon that rejection yeah there okay there can be and that is if you are open to finding those lessons right some people are so closed off that it's just rejection is rejection and that's it. But one thing that I tell my clients a lot is um, what's 1% that you can appreciate about this rejection, right? Even 1% is enough for you to find another percentage or another. So I'll, I'll say one thing, a lot of people are getting laid off right now, right? Like a lot of people are losing their jobs right now. And in tech layoffs are really common. So I actually just did a video last week to talk about what to do when you get laid off. Um, just in December, January alone, I had three of my clients. Um, two of them were one-on-one -on -one clients and one of them was in my group coaching program. Three of them got laid off and it wasn't because of COVID-19 or anything. It was because of the nature of tech. One company laid off 30, 40% of their company. Another one was just doing like impossible performance plans, which are like performance improvement plans to, if you don't improve in 30 days and hit these impossible goals, you're out. But it's really a way of like forcing people out, honestly. Um, that's just kind of the game in companies and in tech, it happens a lot. Um, And one of them, she had actually been through three layoffs already. That was her third layoff, but this was her first layoff with a coach. And she was just like, this is, she was crying at the airport. She had just landed and found out that like, all her accounts were like deactivated. She got the notice saying like, hey, we're laying off X amount. Thanks. Oh my gosh. Thanks. And you get like a severance package and stuff, but you know, we were just like on video, just like this and talking it through. And she's just like, wow, I've just never gone through this without a coach. And 
the rejection is so deep, but all I asked was like, what is 1% that you can appreciate out of this? And like so much came out of that question, which is just like, well, I wasn't happy there and it would have taken me forever to leave on my own. Right. Like, cause we stay like our saboteurs keep us in places that we're unhappy or, or like another one who got laid off, like what's 1%. And she was just like, I'm the happiest I've ever been actually, you know, <laughs> like, and she's just like, and I was avoiding this for so long. I was so scared of getting fired and my worst case scenario, my worst fear came to life and I'm cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, great. That's, that's an awesome 1%, right? So. <laughs> wow. Like I have two things to touch on. One is why is that the nature of tech where they're constantly laying off people? Oh, yeah, that's a really great question. It could be a number of things. Um, so a lot of tech companies are, you know, they make it big when they get funding, for instance. So you'll always hear things of like, oh, they're Series A, Series B round, like so-and-so just got like $100 million in investments from all of these angel investors or whatever like that's big news in tech and what we call um, runway runway is the amount of money you have for your plane to take off Mm. and you use investment money but the whole point of tech is to be cash flow positive which means we want there to be positive cash flow from our actual customers from the reason why we're making money but if you don't ever get there and you run out of your investor runway then you're probably going to have to do layoffs and cuts that's one big reason of like oh we ran out of money (laughs) you know like that's it so we're going to need to cut off you know the people who we want to cut off whatever they decided and that other reasons bad management like you i don't know if you follow the news but they're technically in my mind a tech company but we work the co-working space yeah we work yeah complete mismanagement and you know embezzling of money and stuff like basically oh my gosh. that's <laughs> why they've done multiple layoffs they just did another round i believe of layoffs and so other reasons are um over hiring um sometimes there's just a reorg where initiatives change and they need to do a reorganization of things and they find like ah, oh, we don't really need this anymore this whole team um for these new initiatives uh could be a number of things, but in my mind, it's typically, for whatever reason, a need to save money. COVID-19 right now, it's just that there are literally so many businesses are now completely obsolete or their customers are just pulling out or even investors are pulling out. And so many people are losing their jobs because just like we have no one to serve. There's no customers. Same thing as a restaurant, but like on a bigger scale, right? Mm-hmm. So plenty of reasons. That was a great question. <laughs> I was just curious. But the second part that you brought up is it seems like there's a pattern of we as women of color, we stay in positions even when we're not happy. Why is that? Like, why do we stay in places when we're not happy, when we're not feeling fulfilled? (sighs) Okay, so plenty of reasons again it always ties to those inner bullshitters we got um that feed us these lies this bs that like 
we aren't going to make it anywhere else or um, I'll speak on my own experience. I stayed in a job I was really unhappy with for a really long time because of personal reasons. I was going through an immigration process with my partner and I was like, I just need a stability. Um, so stability and security is a really big reason, um, you know, for women of color to stay in these roles because especially in tech, we're like, well, I'm making as good as money as any. Um, and if I leave, will I really get better than this? So there's a factor mm-hmm. of like not believing there's like believing this is as good as it gets, which I always think that's BS of it could always be better. It really can. Um, And then there's also like, if we think about that layer, it's the unworthiness that we believe we deserve, but we're actually very worthy of a better lifestyle. And I think it comes with that imposter syndrome again of who am I to believe that I am worth more when I'm already so like, I think women of color, we focus more on our privileges than other people. And sometimes it's to a fault, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Of, like when we finally get, um, when we get in a level like this, it's like new level, new devil. And the new devil is just kind of like, you're so ungrateful for wanting even more. Like you're making so much more than even your parents combined. You're want, no, no, no. how dare you want to be fulfilled? How dare you want to chase passion when look how privileged you are. You finally have more money than anyone in your family. And it's just like, it's just like this huge, like catch 22 cycle that we're in of like damned if you do, damned if you don't at some point. So there's that sometimes. <laughs> um, and sometimes we're just scared of, um, you know, depending on how far along in your career you've made enough jumps and you don't want to do the whole interview thing over again. You don't want to, it's, that's why I started my own business. Honestly, it was just like, at some point I was just so down and so crippled with who knows what I was going through. I actually, I do know what I was going through, but it had a lot to do with like the immigration process and being unfulfilled doing sales because I hated it um, and not being able to move around in my company, which I tried to for a year before leaving. But what really it comes down to is for me, I was like, I can't even think about doing another resume right now. I'm just not in a good, like my body literally physically was against it. Like I felt sick to my stomach or I would feel like anxiety thinking about interviewing. And it was just like, I'm not there right now. So that could be a thing. Like true anxiety, depression can be a thing. Um, And some people are just cush and we're just like, I'm cool, whatever. I'm like a lot of people are able to somehow, I I could never do this, but a lot of people are able to separate work with personal happiness. Um, and like, how do we that, do that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's just like another person. <laughs> but they were, I don't know if it's com- compartmentalizing or what, but they are truly able to be like, I just cut clock in and clock out. But for me, I've always like have to have been super in tune and fulfilled by work to be able to stay. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I've seen personally it's like a mindset of stick with the devil you know rather than the devil you don't know it's like you already know how this organization operates you already know its flaws and stuff like that and you're afraid to make that leap 
because you're afraid of the unknown. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know why. You're, you're so right. I mean, everybody's scared of the unknown too. It depends on the levels. For me, I've just faced the unknown so much because I'm this type of person that's like, if somebody tells me I can't do something, I get super mad. <laughs> like, uh, uh-uh, let me, let me just, let me just try it real quick. <laughs> oh, it know. makes you want to do it even more. Right. Like, like other coaches, even coaches of color were like, oh, I don't know if you need to fully claim woman of color because will we pay? You know, like, right? Like, will you make money off of that? Because we're not used to coaches. We're not used to investing in ourselves or having these types of resources and paying money to be able to up-level leadership, to be able to learn things like negotiations, right? So, mm-hmm. and I, I understand that. But for me, I was just like, well, I'm literally proof that that's wrong because I've invested so much in therapy and coaching. And... It was for my benefit because I needed it and wanted it and needed support. But and then like there's also just people who are just terrified of not knowing. And it might be because, for instance, like yourself, the perfectionist in them is activated and they're like, I need a perfect, foolproof A through Z plan of how this is going to work. And right. I will be successful no matter what. And and then they get crippled and they'll just like, you know what? Because I don't know, I'll just stay here. Um, and, and that's why things like getting laid off suddenly, for instance, is kind of a blessing in disguise for some folks who were truly unhappy and knew they could do better, but just couldn't find a way to leave the level they were at. Right. So... This kind of ties into the perfectionist syndrome, but (laughs) some people, it's like pride. You know, we know we need help, but we refuse to seek help. Why do you think that is? Like we're drowning over here and we we just refuse to seek help. (laughs) That's so interesting. Can you elaborate? Like, Like... Okay, so let's go with therapy in a way. Okay. Okay. Um, we're battling all these issues and and um, boulders in our life, obstacles, and we refuse to. It's like we have to take it on ourselves. Mm. We refuse to ask for help for somebody to walk us through because it's like it's our burden to carry yeah if it makes sense like that makes sense yeah like I've noticed it within my family and I've realized that it really is a culture among women of color it's like yeah we have to take it on ourselves we can't afford to ask anybody else for help um (laughs) even when there's people and resources out there it's like I have to find it for myself I have to get it myself why is that you know, it could be a number of things. So I don't know if in your family, things like therapy or a stigma. Um, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so a lot of cultures, therapy, you know, for white and Caucasian people, apparently therapy is like, uh-uh, right? Don't, don't right. even go there. And, you know, I had to like tell my mom all the time when I started therapy, I was like always putting it in her face. <laughs> I would love for her 
were to go one day, I think it would be healing and helpful. And there's so many things that I think would um, just be brought to light for her that I can see. And, you know, I want everybody to go to therapy, honestly. You know? Everybody And then, needs and to then coaching <laughs> <laughs> or both at the same time or one before the other. It doesn't matter. But just like some sort of guidance from a professional who understands the complexity of like human development and brain like it's just it's fascinating but I think that you know when say I asked my mom would you ever consider going to therapy and she says what well, I have God you know and I'm like okay cool, hey, yeah. cool, cool cool that makes sense <laughs> and <laughs> you know yes and is really the answer there but I also think that um you know you might want not want to invest in things people look at the price if you don't have insurance that covers it and you might be like, really, I'm going to spend that much on this, that, so that could be a blocker. So it is a privilege to be able to have resources like that or, but there are also um, resources for those, uh, you know, at a more affordable rate. Um, there's just apps that do therapy now at a super affordable rate. There's even text really? therapy. I think it's called, <laughs> I don't quote, like, you might need to Google this, but Headspace or something, there's, like, um, there's one that's literally text therapy now these days. That's just, like, at least it's oh something. My God. <laughs> you know, really, yeah, look up text therapy. There's apps for that. And so it's becoming slightly more accessible. Um, so accessibility might be a thing. But I think what you're saying is, like, when you don't ask for help, it's because we do truly think we have to do everything on our own because yeah. our mothers did it, our grandmothers did it, our great-grandmothers did it. They did everything on our own. And I think our generation in particular, um, really, we, what's really cool about our generation is that we're not afraid to ask for help. And we're just like, I'm going to go through therapy. I'm going to do this. Do you know what my therapist said? Like, it's so common now, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there are still plenty of folks who, um, or within the realm of our generation that are still like not understanding the depth and complexity of the things that hold them back. Mm -hmm. Like I understand so much of my fears around money, my fears around business, my fears around, um, you know, speaking up against authority figures like that all was on the table. And I know that comes from my culture. I know that comes from how I was raised. And there's just so much unlearning for me to still do um, that it's just, and the work doesn't end. You know, I went to therapy for years. I've been a coach for years. I've had coaching for years. And I'm still like, ooh, I want to hire that coach for decolonization. You know, oh, I want to hire you, right? You know, I want to, I have a business, I have business coaches and I have life coaches, right? And, you know, or a therapist that specializes with women of color for decolonizing the mind, you know, something like that. There's just, for me, I don't think it's, um, at this point in my life, I'm like, that's a non-negotiable. I always need some sort of support. Um, and I don't mind investing in that because I know that's what will level me up. And I, I know the return on investment is always coming back to me, whether or not it's financially or it's in deeper relationships or it's that I wake up and I feel fucking happy every day. Right. <laughs> you know, like, I know that that is worth it. Mm. I just loved everything that you just said, especially <laughs> the part of decolonization. Yeah, it's big. It's big. <laughs>
Oh my gosh, we touched on a lot of things today, you know? Yeah. What would you like, especially for the audience, to know to get it through their head? Um, I think that it's just the belief that you can succeed as the real you, no matter what room you're in, no matter who is in the motherfucking room, <laughs> is how what I always say, that it is possible not to say that it isn't going to be hard, but it is worth doing the hard work in order to be able to feel confident to show up as the real you. So don't stop believing that it's possible. Wow. So for people who are listening and they need your services, where can they find you? So I have all the socials except Twitter. That's the one thing I'm not on. Um, but I'm NadiaDeala.com. That's N-A-D-I-A-D-E-A-L-A.com. Um, at Nadia Deala for Instagram. I'm always posting stories and stuff um, and LinkedIn. But I also have, I, I don't know if you have show notes, but I also have um, a Facebook group for women of color in tech. So it's a private Facebook group that you'll see me jumping on live sometimes and I'll just be sharing my wisdom or sharing prompts and helping folks out okay and i'll definitely link all her links in the bio on my social everywhere um thank you so much for joining me it was a blessing having you and for you to share your insight you know I I, (laughs) i feel like because we're in quarantine this is especially a prime time for us to suck up all the knowledge that we can get and all the inspiration that we can get so when we're finally allowed to be outside we can act on those things yeah yeah and i encourage you to also act on these things work and business is still happening right now act on these things even virtually even if the room is virtual (laughs) yeah thank you it's been a pleasure It really has. So have a nice day. Thank you for joining me again. Thanks for chatting with me today. I do enjoy our talks. If you liked or didn't like what you heard, I would like to hear from you. So submit a rating and a review. If you want to talk, share a book or a PSA, email me at theconcretediaries at gmail.com or the gram at theconcretediaries. Look, I'm proud of you for making it this far, and I know you'll make the distance. Remember, we aren't given what we can't handle. So keep reading and keep blooming from the concrete. I'll see you in the next one.